Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is the GM Shuffle. He could have easily said to everybody in the building, I want all the money. I want to be the highest paid quarterback. I'll always be the highest paid quarterback. But he took a different road. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever. You get your podcast, our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos, as he always is. And Michael, uh, no games this weekend, but still a lot to get to here as we're in this bye week before the Super Bowl. But before we get all the Super Bowl discussion and all that stuff, we got to talk about what happened yesterday in the NFL. Oh, oh, you want to talk about something else? Well, you got you got too much time now. I mean, you're going to have to get caught up on the Sopranos. You got a lot of people wanting to wanting to get you caught up they're so on my ass dedicate man. some time well, they are on your ass so i'm just trying to be polite but if you know it's either you come heavy or don't come at all i mean they're, they're, you're, you're gonna get run out of here if you don't start watching i'm through season one which i probably need to watch season one all over again because it's been so you long probably need to but you know i you mean better get your butt moving i mean football season starts you know us we're busy here at Vison. we're doing all these sorts of shows we're doing the podcast and then i'm doing my betting stuff it, it's it's it, there's not a whole hey, lot of time during football season, but now that football is over. As Parcells would say, one wrong, all wrong. <laughs> so, like, you got no excuses. Like, one wrong, all wrong. <laughs> we'll grind the tape uh, during the offseason here, but we got one more game to get to. We'll talk about that just moments away. But uh, the big news from yesterday in the NFL, Tom Brady, after 23 seasons, has retired from the National Football League for good, he says. Uh, what was your reaction, Michael, when you saw yesterday that – TB12 is uh, hanging him up one year to the day where he retired last season uh, from the Buccaneers. Well, I think he kept a secret this time. I think obviously, you know, when you when you uh, uh, has he's gone through the process and gone through it. I think he obviously knew, and then he taped that interview and 
Then he released it on a day. That was strategic. That wasn't just happenstance. So my reaction was, we're never going to see another one like him. We're never going to see somebody dominate and be so selfless, right? So mm-hmm. what, what I think gets often overlooked in the, in the Tom Brady narrative is his willingness to do what was best for the team that might not have been best for him. He could have easily said to everybody in the building, I want all the money. I want to be the highest paid quarterback. I'll always be the highest paid quarterback. But he took a different road. And when we examine the Final Four this year, there are three of the teams are in the Final Four that, that are quarterbacks on rookie contracts. Now, Mahomes took less. I mean, I think Mahomes could have made more, but he took a substantial chunk. But I think as we move forward, the percentage of the quarterback that takes away the cap, unless he is, tilts the field, it's hard to get there. I mean, look at Buffalo. Buffalo, Josh Allen is great, mm-hmm. but Josh Allen didn't tilt the field, and their depth paid a price. The lack of depth on their team paid a price. And so I think to me, in, in the salary cap era, his greatest contribution, besides his competitive stamina, was his ability to be selfless. You talked about that ability to be selfless. Let's play the clip, though, here of Brady announcing his retirement yesterday. He puts this on his Twitter and his Instagram and all across his social media platforms. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So... I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. <laughs> he even kind of makes fun of himself there a little bit, saying that he only gets one uh, super emotional essay to retire. But you mentioned that he kind of kept this a secret because we were talking before we started recording the podcast that Brady was in Los Angeles to premiere 80 for Brady, which I'm sure that you will be uh, getting your tickets ready to go ahead and watch that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he was in L.A., but the video, that does not look like Los Angeles. That looks like Florida. Correct me if I'm wrong. It is. No, I think it's South Florida, and I think this is part of the issue. I mean – you know, as as a parent of a divorce, you know, he's his kids are in school. So, you know, for Brady to continue playing and not play in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, where was he going to play? If he plays in Las Vegas, it means he doesn't see his kids. And he's probably, I don't know the arrangement, but I'm sure he has some uh, uh Custody, you know, whether it's a week here, a week there. I mean, I'm sure there's custody arrangements going on here. So, you know, I mean, so he's in Miami. He's got this property in Miami. He chose to live in Miami when he was going to retire, when he was still married. His kids are in school in Miami. His ex-wife has a house in Miami. So when you start adding all those things up, unless he was going to play for the Dolphins, I'm not sure he could have played. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. or if he could have played but not been involved with his children's life, which I think was something he wanted to desperately do. So I I think it was at the end of the day, this is a rarity. I mean, the injuries didn't get him. His lack of skills didn't get him. His lack of courage, toughness, getting hit too much didn't get him. But his quest to be a family member in his family did. Yeah, and family above all else. I mean, we talk about that all the time with uh, these guys. It's They're humans. They also have a side of them outside of football, and Tom Brady 
was kind of at a crossroads with his own personal career and then also what was going on in his family life. Now, according to Jeff Darlington of ESPN, he tweeted this out yesterday when the news was coming out. He said that Brady for months implied to many close to him that it was going to either be a return to Tampa or retirement. So the speculation of San Francisco or Las Vegas or maybe even the New York Jets, it sounds like all of that was just kind of us maybe speculating and trying to connect some dots here. Is that what you were hearing there, that it was always either going to be a team in Florida? Like you mentioned, maybe Miami, but it was either Bucks or retirement is what Brady was telling people in his circle. Yeah, I think, you know, because of uh, – maybe that's true. I think what he did do is he did call a lot of people that he loves in the league and let them know before he released that video uh, and to tell them that he was going to retire. And so mm-hmm. – he, he included people that are important in his life. And so by doing so, you know, he still kept a secret, which is remarkable in this day and age of Twitter. And he still was able to release it on his own platform. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do think that Florida probably was the only place to play. And going back to Tampa, where they are as a football team, probably wasn't the right thing to do. Do you think this is the end? Because everyone's been asking me that question yeah, over the past couple of days. You think this is it for him? Yeah. I think it is. I think because of the I think because of his life. I think he wants to be a father. He wants mm-hmm. to be involved with his kids. I think, you know, we we never, you know, it's easy for us to look at the emotional element of of just playing. We remove the emotional element of life. And so he wants to be involved with his children and and and, and whatever weeks he has to be a father, he, I think he wants to be fully vested in the father. Like I would think just knowing the situation that he's in right now, I would suspect that, you know, I, I would think uh, Greg Olson will probably still have the number one job at, at Fox. I don't think he's automatically going to Fox. I think he's mm-hmm. probably going to decompress and take a year to kind of work himself around this arrangement of divorce, children, all those things that have to come into his life. So, yeah, I kind of think that. I, I think that that probably – He's got a, a lot of things to get, as Al Davis used to say all the time, oh, fuck, kid, we got to get organized here. I think he's got a lot of things to get organized. Yeah, and a lot of important things that are, quite frankly, more important than football. I mean, there's talking about his family life and, the, and the, the lives of his children, who I'm sure obviously he wants to be a part of their lives, dealing with the circumstances that he's dealing with there with his own uh, marital status. Uh, you mentioned that Brady, his selflessness, was one of the things that really stood out to you. I think for me, and it kind of goes alongside with this, is that his humility, and every great player has that competitive arrogance, because I think you have to, to be great, but his own personal humility and what he allowed the Patriot way to be, because I feel like there's no Patriot way without Tom Brady being able to take the criticism and take the coaching of a Bill Belichick. And it kind of reminds me in the NBA. I know Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, always talked about this. He was in that Spurs organization when Tim Duncan was there. And he said Tim Duncan was the whole culture for the San Antonio Spurs because Greg Popovich would get on Tim Duncan and Duncan being the star of the team, he could have easily get, said, get this guy the hell out of here, it's me or him, and they would have fired Popovich like the next day. But he never did that. He allowed Popovich to coach the way that he felt the team needed to be coached. And Steve Kerr's always talked about how Steph Curry allows him to do that in Golden State, saying that those humble superstars allow you to kind of cultivate this culture because they can take that coaching and everybody else kind of falls in line because they say, if this guy can get ripped in front of everyone, then who am I, you know, to to, to ever stand up? And I feel like that's the same thing with Brady during his time in New England. And I'm not sure what it was like in Tampa Bay, but definitely in New England, when you heard that Bill Belichick would talk about, hey, like, 
we're all in front of everybody and we're doing the film session and Tom, you got to make that throw or you got to, you got to make this read right here. What do you make of that and how Brady kind of helped set that culture of the Patriot way? I think there's no doubt you nailed it. I mean, that's part of it, right? When your best player sets the tone of intolerance for anything that gets in the way of winning, you're going to be a great team. It's one of my, it's one of the reasons why it drives me crazy when I watch the 76ers. Because as great of a talent as Embiid is, he doesn't set the tone of intolerance. He doesn't play or work at a level to carry everybody with him. He kind of is, I'm great, I'm talented, but I don't really want to work that hard. Like, it's not that. I want to be MVP, but I don't want to work that hard. Like, so for me, that's that's kind of a, a different, you know, that's when you can't create mental toughness within your team. It's what Patrick Mahomes gives the Chiefs. It gives them that ability to create mental toughness. It's what Burrow gives the Bengals. He's their best player, but yet he works the hardest. And so everybody else around him is like, well, if he's working hard, you know, you could see the faces of the kids that were free agents that go into the Patriot uh, team meeting room and Brady's sitting in the first row to the far left. And, you know, Belichick's coaching him hard. They're like, if he coaches him hard, I'm going to get coached hard. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, but that culture, that willingness to do that, laid the foundation for what it takes to be a champion. Like all this conversation that Belichick wouldn't win without Brady – is bullshit because Tom, Don Shula, the winningest coach in NFL history, he went four years with Dan Marino, a quarterback, and didn't even make the playoffs. I mean, the the Packers have had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, two generational quarterbacks, two quarterbacks in my top 100 in my next book, right? They won, each won one Super Bowl. Peyton Manning, I mean, he won one with the Colts. He should have won more. But And not that Manning didn't work hard do all those things, but they're – the reality of it is, is to be able to sustain success, to sustain excellence, it really, it really goes to the fabric of being willing to get coached. Yeah, I think we're seeing this in college basketball. You know, all these programs that are recruiting five stars, those kids don't want to get coached. They just want to, they want to serve a year and then go to the NBA. Same thing in football. I mean, we see it with A and M. How many five star kids they get in there? They can't coach them. I mean, it's one of the reasons why Jay Wright left Villanova. Jay Wright needs three-star kids that he can make five stars. He doesn't need five-star kids that just don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a great player who wants to get better every day, Michael Jordan, I'm getting better every day. Michael, you're already great. No, I'm getting better every day. Kobe, I'm getting yeah. better every day. That, 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 that's what winning does. That's what it takes to win. That's why if you're the CEO of the company, you have to work the hardest. Yeah, it definitely is the trickle-down effect. And once everybody realizes that, then everybody steps up their game, and then you're able to sustain success. And you talk about that success. I mean, Brady, over his 23-year career, seven Super Bowl championships, five Super Bowl MVPs, three league MVPs, 89,000 passing yards, first all-time, 649 regular season touchdowns as well, most career wins with 251. He's a member of the all-decade team for the 2000s and the 2010s. So two all-decade teams, that's sustained success right there. But as a better, the, the stat that sticks out to me the most is a better. This guy was 58% against the spread. <laughs> and, and you factor in how many times he was a favorite, how many times he was a TD favorite and all that stuff. And we talk about, hey, the Chiefs, they don't cover spreads because the Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are always priced to the moon. Brady was priced to the moon with the Patriots, and they were still hitting at a 58% rate. And if you're good at math, you know that you're making quite a bit of money over the long haul if you're hitting at 58%, 80% as an underdog throughout his career, 51-13 and 13 at the window there. I mean, the guy was just exceeding expectations every single step of the way from day one all the way to the end of his career. 
No doubt. And he understands how to win a game. He, he wasn't. And what else add to the self selfless behavior? He, he didn't care if he threw it 15 times and they won. Mm-hmm. And he didn't care if he had to throw it 65 times and they won. I mean, he was willing to do what was best for the team that may not have been best for him. That, to me, is his greatest virtue. That, that line that defines mental toughness for the Patriots starts and ends with Tom Brady. So now that Brady has decided to retire, spinning it kind of to the rest of the quarterback dominoes, how do you think that this affects the offseason for those quarterback needy teams like the Raiders here in Las Vegas or like the New York Jets, some of these teams that are looking for some veteran QBs to take their teams to the next level? Well, I mean, we know that Garoppolo is going to be a free agent, right? We know that. So Mm -hmm. we'll get to him in a second. But I think to me the question before you can go down this road is, You've got to ask yourself, is Aaron Rodgers committed to playing how much longer? Mm. You know, how much longer do you want to play? play? Because I find it hard to believe that you'd be willing to give up a high first-round pick for a guy who's going to play one year. You know, I know the Rams had success going all in with this, say, we don't give a shit about draft picks. But, you know, when they they traded the draft picks for Stafford, they weren't thinking it was a one-year investment. It Mm. might end up being just a one-year and maybe he can't keep going, right? But... I think that's going to be the key question that that's got to get answered, because no team's going to want to give up a lot of a lot a high compensation and a lot of money for one year. You, it's again, it's hard. It's hard to lay the fabric and the foundation of your culture if it's one year. You got to build on something, and you know. And I think that if it's all that money, again, we'll go back to when you take all the money as the starting quarterback. What's left with the team? Now, this is why Jacksonville has the perfect opportunity right now if you're Trent Balky. Get the team really good because you got Lawrence, who's a really good quarterback, under contract. The Chargers, they're letting this pass a little bit. They could get yeah. a, they could really improve their team before they got to pay Herbert. The Bengals, same thing. They got to keep improved before they they're gonna pay they're gonna pay Burrow. You know, they're gonna pay Burrow huge. And so once you do that and you eat up that portion of the cap, your depth, as we've seen this year in the league is really hard to sustain, and it affects teams. I think, and I wrote about this for Visa this week, I think the second quarterback market is going to go through the roof. I think it's mm-hmm. going to go through the roof. I think, I think teams are going to be more willing to pay backups because your, be, your season could be over. Your season could be over because there's very few people on planet Earth that can coach and evaluate the quarterbacks. Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Josh Mc, those guys can do that, but they're 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 few and far between. A lot of guys think they can, but those it's few and far between. So you just can't put anybody in and win. I mean, even Kyle. How many times have you read Kyle Shanahan without Jimmy Garoppolo is what? How many times have you read yeah. that? Yeah. You know, and so like I think that's going to change. That's going to affect the landscape. Of this market, I think the back. I think if you're Jarrett Stidham, you made a lot of money because you're a backup and you showed you could throw the ball. If you got any backup skills, you're going to get paid. You have to get paid. It's a valuable. It's a valuable insurance policy. Yeah, are you telling me that my Cowboys are going to have trouble hanging on to Cooper Rush? I believe he's a free agent. Well, I think he'll week. get paid. Yeah. I, I think he'll get paid. You know, I, I think at some point you got to say, how do we do this? And nobody ever in the league ever spends time saying. Okay, you know, in most businesses, you have research and development areas, right? Like, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to research? And what do we need to develop for the next three years? The NFL doesn't have that. Like, they should. Mm -hmm. Like, you should be – and one of the criticisms that I have about all this uh, subcontracting thinking in terms of who they hire as a play caller, 
is when you lose, when you don't find a head coach who understands player development, you have no, re, no, you have no R&D. You have no R&D. Like, if you really get development and you have a head coach that gets it and you say, okay, we're going to develop offensive linemen. I don't give a shit what it takes. And we're going to bring them in. We're going to coach. This, we're going to develop. And we're going to have a coach dedicated to developing that talent. And we're going to have a coach dedicated to developing quarterback talent. We, like it, 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 go, it gets lip service. The coaches are too busy coaching the guys that got to get ready. So there's no player development going on. The only way you're going to add depth is through having a comprehensive player development program that is, that is intact every single day. And the, the rub becomes, Femi, is I don't want to develop that guy. He sucks. The personnel guy, oh, that guy's great. You should develop him. It's that rub that goes mm-hmm. in between, right? And yeah. somebody's got to figure that out. Like, are we wasting our time developing this guy, or should we develop this guy? And that can really only come from the – if you allow it to come to the assistants, the assistants are always going to take the player who knows what to do, not who could be developed more. I think that goes to talk about like it's right along with what we said with alignment and you have the the front office and the head coach all aligned to say, all right, these are the guys that we like. This is what we see in this player. Let's develop them because once you don't have that alignment there, that's when it yeah. kind of becomes, all right, this is my guy and this is your guy. And then that's not a good situation. I'll give you the perfect example. Chris Ballard in Indianapolis. Chris Ballard is a really good personnel guy. Mm-hmm. He's a really good personnel guy. He's under a lot of, a lot of, of, of criticism because he's really never had a coach to develop talent. He's never really had that. So he can only be as good as the coach is willing to make his assistants develop talent. If Ballard had Belichick, he, his roster would be – everybody would be talking about how good his roster. He had it with Andy Reid. I mean, when Andy Reid gets Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill's a running back yeah. at, at, at Oklahoma State, an, af, an unbelievable running back with track speed. And Andy decides to make him a slot receiver, okay? And mm-hmm. the kid had good hands, but he never – and so then they developed him within that system. So all of a sudden, this fifth-round pick who's got incredible talent and shouldn't have been a fifth-round pick, but the off-the-field shit made the, – the, the horrible off-the-field incident made him that. But they bring him in, and they develop him within. See, Andy Reid – when you work for Andy Reid, you're a better personnel guy. Isaiah Pacheco, you know, mm-hmm. most places wouldn't have been able to develop him. Now they got to work on his protection. But that's the missing link in all this. And so as a personnel guy, you're in some situations where you're not getting player development. And then you think that, oh, well, we'll get him to – no, unless the head coach is demanding it from the assistants. It isn't the assistants. He's, the head coach has got to demand it. He's got to walk in the room and say, look, here's what we got to do. Al Davis should say this all the time. Make those coaches think they're high school coaches. Make them think we're not bringing somebody else in. I mean, I see it in college football. I mean, I've been in college staff meetings where, you know, the special teams coaches over there saying, well, we shouldn't redshirt this guy. We should do this. Like, you're not the GM. Like, you coach special teams. Just worry about that. Mm-hmm. But that's what happens. I think that's a really good way to put it there. Uh, final note on this before we take our, our first break here. Uh, on the Aaron Rodgers side of things, uh, Devontae Adams last night tweeted, he said, Answering 15 questions, ask me anything. And Las Vegas Locally, which is a popular Twitter account here in Las Vegas, tweeted at him, said, which neighborhood is Aaron Rodgers moving to? Devontae Adams responded, one word, mine. <laughs> any uh, <laughs> any smoke to this fire here that we, that we got going I, I, on? Again, I don't know how there could be anything. <laughs> I think to me it's really all about 
you know, again, there's a lot of hurdles you got to jump. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, Big Daddy back from Hawaii, back to work now. Everything's good. Okay, we're good You know, there. didn't get stopped at the airport. You know, whatever he did, whatever he brought into the country, he got it in here. Uh, but I will say, you know, I mean, I asked him, he, like, the he wants to move on with Jordan Love. Like, I don't understand it. Like, I do get the sense, just reading the tea leaves, that mm-hmm. Green Bay is going to do something. Do you get that sense? That's what, And that's what everything I'm reading is, is that they were active in trade discussions and are looking to maybe find a, a place to move Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what – but they have, Aaron Rodgers has got to be able to say, I'm playing three more years, here's the contract, move on. There's so many hurdles to go over. Yeah. Now, Rodgers, he doesn't have the no-trade clause, but he could always just say, I'm not going to play. And that, that's, I guess, right. his leverage would be retirement and threatening that. But, uh, yeah, but then the, he's got to pay money back, right? Then yes. he's got to pay money back. You think he wants to do that? I don't think I, so. I don't think so. I mean, that's a lot of money that he's expected to get here this year. Uh, I, I'm sure he can count, and uh, if, if he can count, then he knows that playing is probably the best, uh, best situation for him in 2023. But I think that's going to be one of the more fascinating kind of storylines is yeah. what happens with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay – do they move forward with Jordan Love? Or if they bring Rodgers back, what happens with Jordan Love? Because the word on the street is Jordan Love might ask for a trade if they bring Aaron Rodgers back. So maybe that young quarterback market is something that we could also see moving as well. But Michael, let's take our first break. Talking about research and development, let's talk some head coaches because we saw a couple of hires earlier this week here. This is the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, the head coaching carousel was cooking earlier this week here, and we saw the Rocky Mountains Denver make the big splash. They got the big whale, Michael. Sean Mm. Payton is heading to the Rocky Mountains to become the next head coach for the Denver Broncos. Now, this wasn't cheap at all because we always talked about there's got to be some compensation for New Orleans since they had his rights on the contract. So the Saints will receive a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year. Denver gets Sean Payton as well as a third-round pick in next year's draft here. But uh, the compensation, is it fair for the Super Bowl-winning head coach? And uh, how does this Broncos team look going forward now that they have somebody competent at the position? Well, I mean, would you trade Bradley Chubb for uh, Sean Payton? Without question. Okay, then that's what they just did. They traded Brad, and they (laughs) flopped twos and threes. They got a two and a three. They flopped it. So maybe it's a little bit more, but that's what they did. They traded Bradley Chubb, 
you know, for a guy who's going to run your whole program. I think it's fair. I mean, it's a hell of a price. I mean, it's really what they did. I don't. I think you got to do it every single time. You're hoping to build sustainable success with Sean, and Sean seems like he's got the energy, he's got the enthusiasm, he's got the knowledge to be able to help them build and navigate through this. And he's going to, if anybody can, you know, coach the quarterback to play better, Sean can. You know, Sean can, and Sean's going to demand from Russell to do what he wants him to do. It isn't going to be Russ demanding what he wants to do. So mm-hmm. I think. There's going to be some give and take in that arrangement. And if Russ has any juice left in the tank, we're going to find out. And I'm sure they're going to be on search for the next quarterback after that. But, look, I think it was all about the ownership here. And I think this is I, – I said this from the beginning. If I was yeah. Sean Payton, I would have taken the Denver job. I mean, I thought it was the best job out there because of the owner. Yeah, you talked about that all throughout this kind of offseason for these teams that didn't make the playoffs and, hey – Denver is the job that is seen as having the best and most stable ownership, and we see the biggest head coaching candidate end up going there. But there was a little bit of stuff that was being made around when Sean Payton decided to go to the Broncos that that maybe Denver's first choice was D'Amico Ryans, and then Adam Schefter then comes out and says no. They hadn't spoken with D'Amico Ryan since last week, and it's been kind of Peyton who they've been zeroing in on. What have you heard? I mean, not like it matters much, but just from a curiosity standpoint – did you hear anything about Ryan's maybe being option number one and then them, quote, settling for Sean Payton, or was it Payton all along here for the Broncos? I think they did their due diligence. I think they found if they could find a coach who fit the, the profile, right? So what I think Penner did was exactly how you have to find talent. He put together a profile of what he wanted, mm-hmm. about what characteristics were needed, who could do the job. He defined the job, which most of these owners don't do. Most of these owners say, I want an offensive coach, or, you know, I heard David Tepper say, well, they changed the rules in favor of the offense. That's why I wanted to hire an offensive head coach. Okay. If that's the, that's the, if that's what you think the job is, then go ahead, right? Then go ahead, do it. I don't think that's the job. However, that being said, you know, I think he'll learn eventually that's not the job. But Penner defined the job. Penner said, this is what I want. I want a CEO. I want somebody who can, who can align us from top to bottom working bottom up to top, I want somebody who's going to be a strategist who can see something from 35,000 feet and, you know, somebody who brings credibility. I don't think that fits D'Amico. I think D'Amico is going to – he's going to be like a lot of young coaches. He's going to embark on a journey that, you know, it seems like he's got it, but once he starts it, he's going to say, holy shit, I never thought this job was as hard as it is. Mm -hmm. Right? So I I think to me this nonsense that he had that job – and turned it away, I think any it's always just rumors. And mm-hmm. to me, go back to what the owner said, what he was looking for, it fits Sean Payton. That's kind of was my read on it, but it was interesting to see Ian Rappaport of NFL Network put out those tweets. He was saying that the Broncos had zeroed in on D'Amico Ryans, secretly tried to lure Jim Harbaugh from Michigan, negotiated with Sean Payton with a deal, tried to hire D'Amico Ryans again, then finalized with Sean Payton as their head coach. I mean, that, that seems like it's a lot going on there. How much of that is true? Who knows? I mean, the order of operation might be different than what Rappaport was told. Uh, these things are all kind of working in back channels anyways, but now that Payton is in Denver you mentioned Russell Wilson because that's the immediate question for this Broncos team they paid a lot of money and draft capital to get Russell Wilson do you think that our favorite cook can be fixed are we going back to the gourmet restaurant I I, I don't know if he can be cook I don't know if he can I think a lot of it's going to be his willingness 
and his ability to be adaptable. You know, he's set in his ways. You know, he's like the guy who's been a bachelor all the time and gets married. You know, all of a sudden, you know, he's set in his ways. Wait a minute, I, I, I go play, you know, I go out Tuesday night. I go out Wednesday night. You know, like I'm setting my ways, man. I can't change. It's my he's process. set in his ways. Yeah. I think he's set in his ways. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think, look, one thing you know about Sean, Sean has been highly influenced by, I, I said this to somebody in the league, and I think it's completely true. Had Sean not been with Parcells, mm-hmm. he would not have been the coach that he is today. I think Sean would admit that. I think Sean would admit. Sean learned a lot from Parcells. He learned a lot about being a head coach. He learned about demanding of the assist. He learned a lot. And I think because of that, I think Sean will go in there and either he'll get Russell to play good or he'll find somebody who can. And I think that's kind of the situation for Denver. And and it's either he's going to fix Russell Wilson and, and Russell Wilson's going to get back to the high level or he's going to find a quarterback that can go in there and play well. I know Drew Brees had an interesting comment to say about this. He said, uh, and I, he was describing about how this is a pivotal move for Russell Wilson, Sean Payton now being the head coach. He said, quote, to me, this is set up to be Russell Wilson's prime, especially with Sean Payton and a system that's going to be built around him. This is a great opportunity for Russell Wilson. Now, Russell Wilson has idolized Drew Brees because being a shorter quarterback, he's like, all right, how does Drew play? That's how I have to operate heading into the league. So he was always a guy that Russell looked up to. I, I would imagine that Russell will pick Drew Brees' brain over the offseason about how to fit into this Sean Payton offense. I think there's some potential upside. I hope I'm not going to try to fall for this thing once again with the Denver Broncos, but I think this is an upgrade massively from the head coaching position. Not quite as big of an upgrade as Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, but going from Hackett to Sean Payton is a pretty damn big upgrade. I feel like just having a coach that's not in over their heads and knowing what it's supposed yeah. to look like to win Super Bowls and to win consistently. Right, and, 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 and a coach who's, who can see the game through the quarterback's eyes. It's not mm-hmm. just about we're running this play. And look, you know, but but he's got to get Russell to change, right? He's got to get Russell to say, okay, all right, when this happens, we're doing this. When this happens, I want you to do this. I mean, it's got to be give and take here. And if he doesn't do that, you know, then then it's going to be hard. But I think he will. I think, look, you know, there was a sign that when you used to leave Barstow, California, to go to Vegas and said, eat here or we both starve, right? <laughs> I think Russell's at that point. Either he eats yeah. with Sean or he's going to starve. Yeah, no, I think that's 100% where Russell Wilson is at because, I mean, at this point in his career, if it doesn't work out, everyone's going to point to Russell Wilson and say, hey, man, you were the one that didn't adapt your game, and that's why this thing didn't work in Denver. Uh, also, we saw the Houston Texans. We mentioned D'Amico Ryans. The Texans hired D'Amico Ryans as he's going back there to Houston where he was a phenomenal player, uh, was a defensive rookie of the year, played six seasons for the Texans. Now he will be their head coach after having a successful run as a defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. They have a lot of draft capital. They have a lot of cap space. But this is a, a job that is a very difficult job to turn this thing around here. Uh, what is uh, item number one for D'Amico Ryans as he takes over as a first-time head coach? Well, I, I think he's got to be a head coach. I think what they need more than anything in Houston is a head coach. The game can't operate through the general manager's chair. It's been proven. I can speak mm-hmm. from this with authority. Al Davis couldn't run the game from the owner's chair. It's impossible. So Nick has got to do a good job of coaching D'Amico on how to be a leader, how to run the team, how to be a head coach, how to, how to not defer every decision to an assistant because you don't feel comfortable making that decision. You know, you're going to have to do that. So that's job number one. Job number two is he's got to get a good 
offensive line coach. They need offensive line coach really badly there. They need an offensive coordinator. But the line didn't play to the level it needs to play to, and they're going to have to get that done. And then, you know, they're going to have to get development. They're going to have a lot of young players on their team, so they're going to have to have a development program. And Nick's going to have to – this is Nick's third coach. He's never hired anybody who Mm -hmm. understands how he sees the game. And the quicker he can can bridge that gap of understanding the game and not operating on his own in the New England system and then D'Amico operating on the San Francisco system – the quicker they can bridge those two together, the better off it's going to be. Now, everyone has spoke glowingly about D'Amico Ryans, and I think that the tweet from J.J. Watt was one that was uh, stood out to me when they made that announcement. And he tweeted, says, you, you want to re-energize and reignite the incredible Houston fan base? This is a hell of a start. Cannot wait to see what D'Amico does. One of the best teammates and leaders I've ever been around. And everybody talks about his leadership. And what he did with the Niners defense taking over for Robert Sala. I know Fred Warner credits D'Amico Ryans for being uh, the the leader that he needed, being the coach that he needed, and that's why Fred Warner is the player that he is today. But now, like you said, though, he's not just coaching the defense anymore. Now he's coaching the entire team. Leadership is one trait that I think can translate across the board at any sort of job, whether it's in football or whether he was running a hospital or something like that. Being a leader, I think, is first and foremost – Maybe that can end up translating and helping this Houston Texans team because I'm not saying that the last guys weren't leaders, but the energy wasn't quite there with David Culley and Lovey Smith. But those guys did play hard. But I think that D'Amico Ryans at least gives them a little bit of a chance here to kind of turn some things around. And he's got a six-year contract, fam. That's a I big mean, point. So, and if you're <laughs> yeah. D'Amico Ryans, you know there was a there was a scene in. Do you ever read the book The World According to Garp? It was by it's by John Irving. Robin Williams played it in the movie. So a plane crashes into a house and that he's going to buy. And so the character Garp says to his wife, says, well, at least we know it'll never happen again because the probability is, you know, one in seven trillion that a plane crashes into your house, right? Mm-hmm. So it's never going to happen again. So when you, when you take over for a two, a, uh, a, a program that's fired the head coach after one year two times in a row – there's a pretty good probability you're, you're going to get a long term. You're going to get a long extended runway. It's not going to happen again. And I think that's what they need. I think it's going to be – it's more on Nick Cesario to adapt and adjust than mm-hmm. it is for D'Amico because Nick once again hired outside his own zone. And, and now he's going to have to get comfortable in that. They're going to play the 49er defense. It's a one-gap defense. Nick's defensive front has always been in New England, more of a two-gap scheme, bigger, thicker. He's got to change that. Now, with Lovey, it was the same as what D'Amico has. So they're going to have to fit that in. You know, they're going to have to fit in. You know, they just drafted a corner, what, the third or fourth pick of the draft, mm-hmm. and D'Amico plays mostly cover three. They play t- they play Seattle three, which is man, but it's it's like a lot to pay for a corner. When you can get they got Richard Sherman in the fifth, you know they get they got guys cheaper, mm-hmm. so uh, there's going to have to be an adjustment on what he wants to run offensively, defensively, and in the kicking game to help him. And, and that starts with Nick because this is Nick's last shot. I mean, this, Nick's not going to if this thing falls starts to struggle. It ain't it ain't D'Amico getting yeah. fired. It's going to be Nick. Yeah, yeah. Nick Nick Casario will be the one that's out because they're not going to let you hire four coaches. 
That that's not, that's not yeah. something that happens in the NFL. Staying in the AFC South, though, just saw this note from NFL Network's Mike Garofolo saying that the Colts are nearly done with their second round of head coaching interviews and are considering a rare round three as well, sources tell me and Ian Rappaport. If they go that route, they'd pare down the list to a select few finalists before making their decision on their next head coach. What's the latest you're hearing out of Indy? I heard that they were going to talk to uh, – they had they had more interviews today, and then I thought they were going to talk to Steichen over the weekend on Saturday when they can talk to him. And then I mm-hmm. thought that they – and, and look, it doesn't sound like they're – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they went more and interviewed even more. So I, I don't think that. I, I think they got to find – I don't think it's Saturday's job. I don't think he would be involved if they went to round three. I think it's about finding somebody that they feel can get comfortable with the owner. Right. Yeah. I, I think that, well, that? I, I think it's got to be somebody who can who feels like he can you know he's comfortable. The owner's comfortable with him. It's like they have a camaraderie. I think that's going to be key. I think if I'm Chris Ballard, I'm hiring the guy that I know can develop talent because I'm not good at my job with the wrong guy. I, I've said this numerous times. You got to find somebody that you can will develop talent and isn't going to the assistants. Oh, hey. You know, they think this guy's a good player. Oh, he sucks. I don't want to coach him. Okay, then we'll kill him, and then he's next thing you know. It's the Doc Rivers, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. like you're you're Daryl Morey, and you got Doc Rivers as your head coach. You could forget about developing any young player. You could forget about it. <laughs> you got no chance. That's why Isaiah Joe went to Oklahoma City and he leads the league in three-point shooting. You're never developing him. You're never developing Paul Reed. You're never developing Charlie. You're never developing anybody. Because his mindset is he wants to win games now. He's on a different program than you're on. And a lot of the coaches don't understand this. Like you could have, like you could do a seminar on player development with head coaches in the league and it would be over their heads for most of them. They have no idea about it. They don't even see that as an element to their organization. So if I'm Ballard, I want somebody who does it. To me, that's the biggest thing that Ballard could do to help his program. Well, is it Ballard's decision or is this going to come down to Ursay? I think it's going to come down to Ballard okay. and who he puts in front of Ursay, and then I think ultimately it'll be Ursay's decision. Okay, so so the, who so, he likes the most. So Ballard gives like, let, here are the three guys that I'm comfortable with us hiring. Ursay, let's, then let's put him in the room. Then then let's decide. All right. Well, maybe that's good news for uh, Colts fans. I know our producer Elliot there. I think he's smiling when he heard that it's not going to be Jeff Saturday potentially as the next head coach. But we'll always have Saturday in the parks there in the 2022 season. Oh yeah, <laughs> he'll be back with he'll be back with your boy. Him and him and your boy. They can they can you know he's calling plays on Twitter. <laughs> well, he's out here in Vegas for the Pro Bowl, so maybe I'll go say what up to him. <laughs> you should say go say hello. Have him come over for a cup of coffee. Let's take another break. On the other side, I want to get to the San Francisco 49ers because Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch met with the media, and they had some interesting stuff to say about their quarterback position heading into 2023. This is the GM Shuffle. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
All right, the San Francisco 49ers season came up short in the NFC title game, a disaster of a game from an injury standpoint. Obviously, everybody knows what happened there with Brock Purdy getting the UCL injury to his elbow. Sounds like six months is what the recovery time is going to be here before Purdy starts throwing again. That would put him right up till training camp starting in August. So the interesting question with this Niners team is, who's going to be the quarterback throughout the offseason? Now, Kyle Shanahan was asked about Jimmy Garoppolo. He said that Garoppolo is not going to be the guy and that they're going to likely move on. He doesn't see a scenario in which Garoppolo will be the quarterback. But when he was asked about the two remaining guys, Lance and Purdy, here's what he told the media when he spoke with them earlier this week. I know we have two starters on our team right now that I believe we can win with. Um, So when you have that situation, you're not that eager to go looking around. I wish you guys could see Jimmy being back, and if so, what what would that look like? No, I don't see any scenario of that. So no scenario for Jimmy, and then no... Well, we found Lynch. We found Lynch. We got Lynch. That was great. We got him. We found him. I, I know we, we were looking him for him the other day. Thank God we found him. I knew he's there. We tracked I, him. I mean, down. I like when they. I like when they asked the question. Kyle answered it. Like, yeah, Kyle's like, hey, he ain't coming back. And like, <laughs> let's just put that in perspective, right? Yeah. Kyle's Kyle's generating the what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me, I read somewhere today, and of course, this is Twitter doctor, so I don't know what to put into this, but there was a said that that he might need Tommy John surgery, meaning mm-hmm. Brock Purdy. And that could be a year. That could be a year. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, look, they, they, they've they made their bed. They're going to keep laying in it. Only they know. I mean, they watch the practice tape, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if they have something up their sleeve. Obviously, Tom Brady's not in their sleeve. And Jimmy Garoppolo, for them, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make too much money. Mm-hmm. But I could see them going down a – especially in light of the Purdy injury, they're going to have to invest in, in at least a, if they want to go Lance, they got to invest in somebody that they trust as a backup that they think they could put in the game and win with. It's really the, the Purdy thing has really thrown this thing into a loop here because I saw what you were seeing as well about the Tommy John thing. Now, hopefully that's not the case, but there's probably a reason why he went out to get a second opinion after getting the first opinion there, I'm sure he didn't like what he had to hear about the first opinion. And I think they said that if he rests, it would be fine in six months, but maybe Tommy John surgery would be needed. If it's Tommy John surgery, then you're looking at Trey Lance as a starter for this team, and we're kind of right back to square one where we were last year to start the 2022 season. I mean, Lance is going to be the guy during OTAs. He's going to be the guy during minicamp, and he's probably going to be the guy to start training camp, depending on how Brock Purdy kind of they're moves to, along. But they're going to have to get somebody else. They're going to have to get somebody else. I mean, they're just not going to mm-hmm. go. They can't go with Lance because they can't predict his durability. And, you know, they're they're tight on the cap because they've got – I mean, they're in a situation where they have, you know, they they got to get Bosa signed, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, that that's going to be the key, right? They're going to have to they – can, they can do some things, but – you know they don't know where they are with Trent Williams next year, so they got they could be yeah. looking for a left tackle. You know they they got to get they they got Bosa on his last year of his deal. He's taken up seventeen, almost eighteen million of their cap, so they got to get him handled, right? And I'm sure they can work around and restructure some guys, but I think at the end of the day that that they've got to they've got to figure out exactly exactly who could be that guy that fits what they want to do. And I'm sure they will. I'm sure Kyle's going to go to Cabo. And sit down there and go through the draft and go through the free agent quarterbacks who are out there and then figure out which one we could get for the best value. They can't sink $25 million in the guy. So that eliminates Garoppolo. 
Well, is there a guy out there that you think would fit with what Kyle does? Well, that's a hard question right now to answer. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I mean, it, it's not so much fit with Kyle. Can they win with the guy? Can they get to the next level with the guy? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, look what they did with Purdy, right? And but does that mean they have all their defensive players back and they got a draft? I, I think I got to I got to take some time and study that one yeah. before I give you the answer. Right, you know, well, but I do think that he'll find somebody that he's comfortable with yeah, that could be the right fit for him. There's a whole lot of offseason left to go here, so we'll, we'll we'll find what the Niners can do. But Trey Lance, I mean, maybe open up that uh, open up that Playboy there, Michael. <laughs> might, might be where we're going here. <laughs> but it's good we found John Lynch. I'm happy we did. It was good he could make it there. As you know, I'm I'm wondering if we'll have, find out how he got to the. St- I love to know how he got to that meeting, wouldn't you? I mean, how did he get there? How does he do that? Does he slide down a pole? Does he change? Like, how does he do it? He teleported. <laughs> he teleported Love from it. Philadelphia right to the press conference room <laughs> because we, nobody saw him on the flight. That's I'm really, only kidding. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I like no. making fun of it. I'm only kidding. Yeah, no, they, they put a good roster together, so we got to give them their credit. No, out there look, he, they got a great team. They yeah, have they a great do. team. They do. I don't agree with the quarterback. I don't think Kyle agrees with the quarterback. But you know, Kyle's got to say he's got two guys because they got to save face. I mean, you yeah. know, that's that's the reality. And they got them, they got them locked in. So, you know, I'm, they can't get rid of them. I still keep coming back to this thing with the Niners is that clearly Kyle is the one that's pulling the strings, but the most important string, the number three pick from two years ago when they moved up all those assets to get the, how was he overrided in that decision? If he didn't want I, Trey I Lance, think, how the hell did that happen? Well, I think eventually they got him convinced to want Trey Lance. I think his, I know his, since he was in Cabo. And he's watching tape. I think he has, and he's, and he, and he sees Mac Jones, and Mac Jones fits perfectly for what he wants to do. So he's going to make that move. But then you, they all said you can't make that move for Mac Jones. You don't have to go up that far. Like you got to look at this guy. You got to look at Lance. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, it, they they sold Adam Adams uh, Adam Peters Adam, uh, Adam Peters and mm-hmm. John. Eventually, that's who they wanted. And eventually, they they wore they sold him on it. You know, I, I agree. You didn't have, obviously you didn't have to go up to three to get Mac Jones. Mac Jones in the system would be really good. I mean, think, just think about Mac. What Mac Jones does in that system? He's he's kind of Brock Purdy-ish. He's accurate. Mm-hmm. He's smart. You know, Purdy probably moves a little bit better than him. Yeah, Mac has a better arm than Purdy. You know? Yeah, yeah, much you know throws the ball down the field. So I think there's no doubt. But that being said, you know, I think what happens is when you know when you have all the clout. You try to build a consensus, but again, I, and I've said this to somebody, I said, like, look, nobody voted to trade for Steve Young. Nobody did, except for Walsh. Sometimes the quarterback position, you got to do what you think is the right thing. And I would say Kyle probably didn't do that. Mm. Yeah, that, that's that's a decision that I think we're, I mean, we're going to keep the, coming back to The that. agent that has Mac Jones and, and, and Trey Lance, they had them both, that they weren't sure which way it was going to go. <laughs> that's crazy. They weren't sure. They had the same guy. That is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and they and they they knew both sides of it. They knew one side literally like Mac. They knew another side really like Trey. You know, they were in the middle of it there. They didn't care. I mean, one of them was going to get. They're both going to get paid. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure the agent was happy. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, whatever." They always are. I'll take my commission. Uh, the three percent or whatever they go ahead and get there. L. A. Though the Chargers. We talked about this during last week's podcast. Or I'm sorry, on Monday's podcast and. We, 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 we predicted it. You said that, hey, Kellen Moore, this Chargers thing, if they get it together, 
then this is going to become the new official team of the GM shuffle. <laughs> and, yeah, and no they, doubt. They, they put this gonna, coaching I'm going to get a joystick. You're going to get a joystick, and we're all going to play joysticks together. We're, we're going to go in the basement, and we're going to play. We're, play, we're playing Madden just, next year. <laughs> we're all going to play. I think they should put I think they should put the Chargers on the cover of Madden. I think they should definitely do that. I think that would be perfect. Staley's pitcher with Justin Herbert in the background, you know, and, and Mike Williams playing against Denver in a meaningless game. I think we should do that. I think that would be so perfect. I mean, look, I, I think Kellen Moore would do a world of good to go to Florida and spend a month mm -hmm. learning from – I think he needs to understand. He doesn't wrap the game around it. I mean, Andy Reid doesn't either. Let's be clear, right? Mm -hmm. And so – but Andy Reid can overcome it at times. He There was a lot of times in Philly he didn't. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why there was so much discontent was his game management, his call and timeouts with 2.05 to go in the game so the other team could pass – his willingness, unwillingness to kind of milk the clock when he had a lead, all that stuff, just like he did in the Super Bowl. I mean, you go back. I watched that tape this week. The the O four Super the, Bowl. The game. That no, I watched the playoff, the conference championship game. Oh, the okay, Bengals okay. give up the ball at their own forty with two twenty to go in the game, mm -hmm. and they throw three straight passes. Yep. And they punt it back. I mean. Like if there was, there was that was the moment that you got to win the game right there, and one first down you're kicking a field goal. Fifteen yards you're guaranteed a field goal. Twenty yards, you know what I mean? You got to get, you got to, and you can't. And, and they throw three incompletions. I mean, I, I that, at that moment is when the game turned, because at mm -hmm. that moment I really felt like Kansas City was in control. They never punted up until that point, mm -hmm. and from that moment the game flipped. This thing with Kellen Moore now as the offensive coordinator of the Chargers, what do you think he gets out of Justin Herbert that the previous OC could not get out of him? That's a great question. I, I don't have the answer for that. I mean, because the one thing we know about Kellen Moore is he has a hard time getting the ball to his playmakers. Yeah. I mean, when you, they took, you know, they took out guys from him, you know, and, and he, he struggles. So I don't know. You know, will they run the ball more with Kellen Moore? I don't think so. I don't think so. Will they manage the game better? Will they play complementary football to their defense? I don't see that. Will they have great plays in OTA days? Yeah, they'll probably have great plays in OTA days. I mean, that joystick will be working like crazy. <laughs> like you said during the last podcast that he has all the coverage beaters. He's got the man beaters, the zone beaters, got and all this stuff. But then once it, they throw some wrinkles in there, then he doesn't really have the answers. Like, what, what are we doing? You know, it's like, I, I mean – at some point, you got to win the game. At some point, you have to win the game. How do you win the game? What are you calling to win the game? I can't wait to see how this thing unfolds. <laughs> Kellen Moore, the OC, Brandon Staley, the I head can't. coach. Man, it's uh, it's 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 going to be boom or bust. They're either going to figure this thing out, and then the Chargers are contenders and are challengers to the Kansas City Chiefs, or maybe Kellen Moore's the interim they, head coach. <laughs> they get Kellen Moore on a cheap deal. Because he's still getting paid by Jerry, I think, mm -hmm. right? And they they kept Staley on his contract. It worked out perfect. Now your Cowboys, Jerry. I think what Jerry did was Jerry said, "Okay, enough is enough, right? Yeah, I'm going to pay Dan. I'm going to pay Dan Quinn almost five million a year. I'm paying M M McCarthy nine million. Let's say I got fourteen million in these two guys. McCarthy, you're going to call plays. Like I'm not hiring another guy and spending five million for him to call plays." Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to have some fiscal responsibility here. And so they, McCarthy's going to call plays. They go out and hire Mike Solari as the line coach. Yep. 
He starts to bring in other coaches that fit what, what Mike wants to do, and Mike's back to call in place. So to me, this is the year everybody made last year is the year that that was the, the bullseye was on Mike McCarthy. This year, the bullseye, because now he's calling mm-hmm. plays. There's no one yep. else there to discuss it. He's calling the plays. He's running the offense. They will go back to the West Coast offense that Mike knows. I'm sure Brian Schottenheimer, they're best friends. He'll have a mm-hmm. huge role in it. But I think what Jerry said was, look, I'm paying all these guys. You know, I got to get – if I'm paying you, you got to do something. You got to do more than that. No, I, I think that's a really great point to bring up there. And McCarthy, it's – they talk about it's going to kind of go back to the Green Bay offense of what he was doing. We'll see how Dak Prescott responds to that, but he's going to have to get the most out of Dak Prescott. I would imagine – and you talked about this, that Brian Schottenheimer may, maybe being the offensive coordinator, I'd imagine that's the next step. That Once they hired Mike Solari – to be the offensive line coach. I mean, Schottenheimer and Solari worked together in Seattle. When Schottenheimer was the OC there, Solari was the offensive line coach for the Seahawks. I would guess that it's going to be Schottenheimer kind of running the day-to-day stuff throughout the week and then McCarthy calling the plays on Sundays or whenever the game is. And Well, we'll he needs see what to get it organized there. for him. You know, he, need, he needs yeah. somebody he trusts to get it organized. Yeah, He might not give him the title, but I think that's right. I think the way you broke down the function of the organization, I think that's right. Yeah, so Cowboys – they're on the hot seat as always. <laughs> you know, that's that's just kind of the, the deal. Until they finally break through and get to a damn NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl, that's always going to be the situation down there in the Dallas. Here, real quick, Michael, the, the Pro Bowl games or the reimagined Pro Bowl games out here in Las what Vegas. What is that? <laughs> what are we you're, doing? You're shaking your head. <laughs> what are we I don't doing? Know what and, then, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then these guys could get hurt and they're on the hook for $40 million? Like, seriously. I mean, Derek Carr went home. And so he wouldn't get hurt, so the Raiders wouldn't be on the hook, and now he's playing in a Pro Bowl, so they he could get hurt and be on the hook, and we're calling this a football game? Like, I think the league's got to take a look at this and say, wait a minute, hold on what here. What the hell are we I doing? Gotta, they got to protect the players. you got to protect the players, but we also got to protect the, 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 the clubs. I mean, this is really a dangerous thing. Then they're putting players in that – I mean, Tyler Huntley, God bless him. I, you, don't, Congratulations, you don't think Pro Bowl and Huntley go in the same sentence. Like, did anybody watch him play? Like, I love the kid. He's a great backup. And if he's a free agent, I think he'll get money to be a backup. I really do. Mm-hmm. But he ain't a Pro Bowl player. Like, what are we doing? Like, how do you even have Pro Bowl language in your co- – like, if I were a team, yeah, I'd have no Pro Bowl language in it. Got to get it out. I would say no Pro Bowl language. And if you play in the Pro Bowl, you're on your own. Yeah. no, Because you, you, I'm not paying for you to get hurt in the Pro Bowl. <clears throat> You have to get the Pro Bowl language out of there because, especially now with the the, the length of the season, I think we're going to see more and more guys being like, ah, I, I ain't playing. Like, I'm tired. Because Joe Burrow well, is Why out. would I play in it? Yeah. Why would I play in it and get hurt? Like, Derek Carr was named to the game as an alternate for Joe Burrow. Josh Allen, who is not playing in the Pro Bowl games because of an injury, is playing instead at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am on the PGA Tour. So that's kind of, I don't know how that works out. But Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, those guys are playing in the golf tournament this weekend, so they're not going to be showing up to these Pro Bowl games. But the games do begin tonight. Apparently, we have dodgeball, five-on-five AFC versus NFC, longest drive on the golf uh, for these guys, we have the pre- precision passing accuracy challenge, best catch competition, lightning round three part elimination challenge. I don't know what the hell any of this stuff is. And then on Sunday, we'll have the gridiron gauntlet relay race, which that's how somebody can get hurt. Kick tack toe, best catch final, and then move the chains competition. And finally, a seven on seven flag football game on 50 yard fields with 10 yard end zones in two 10 minute halves. 
So that's what we're doing this this weekend here in Vegas. Uh, I mean, if you got kids and you're out here, maybe get go out there and yeah, get go, them some go, autographs. Enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy that. Uh, but if you don't have kids, I don't know why the hell you'd even want to go to that, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a movie we can go see. There's got to be something. I Seriously. mean, Springsteen's on tour. There's got to be something yeah. we can find. Something. Yeah, what are you doing this weekend with no games on, man? I'm like, I don't know what the hell to do with myself. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I, t- I ain't doing chores, I can tell you that. I have no idea. You know, I got to get ready to go. You know, I have no idea. But I'm sure I'll be doing something. And I think I'm I obligated to go out to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, going out to lunch would be a good idea. That's a good way. L- lazy Sunday, do some do some laundry maybe, go out to lunch, just clean up a little bit, get our, get our lives in order before uh, Super Bowl week starts. Let's take our final break, Michael. We'll get to the Super Bowl, talk some early narratives between the Chiefs and the Eagles. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, before we get out of here, let's discuss some early narratives that we will see here during Super Bowl week. And I think one of the the biggest narratives that I've heard over the last four or five days since this matchup between the Chiefs and the Eagles has been set is that uh, the Eagles had a weak road to get to the Super Bowl. Everyone's saying that it was the red carpet for the Eagles to get here. We've talked about it throughout this season saying, hey, they're playing Gonzaga's schedule uh, to get to this point. How do you think that this narrative will shape and ultimately play out on the field with the Eagles maybe not having to go the toughest route to win the NFC? It don't matter now. I mean, it really doesn't matter. I, I think mm-hmm. anybody who said the 49ers weren't tough or crazy, you know, they're tough, but the game changed. I mean, that was going to be a – they couldn't – that was the two best teams in the NFC. What were they going to do? Tell Purdy, we, I'm sorry, we're tagging off on you. You're not going to get hurt, you know? <laughs> I mean, so what can they do? I mean, they could only play who they could play. And, and I think all year long we said the NFC wasn't very good. We said there were three teams, basically. We knew the Minnesota Vikings were a fraud. We knew Tampa mm-hmm. was no good. You know, the Giants are not very good, even though they made the playoffs. You know, it's a little bit like the Giants are like Huntley making the Pro Bowl. Yeah, he's going, but are they a Pro Bowl team? Is he a, is he a Pro Bowl player? No. The Giants going to the playoffs. Are they a playoff team? No. The Vikings going. Are they going? No. You know, but they go because they won. They deserve to go. Somebody had to But that go. doesn't make them a legitimate team, right? I think it's a stupid narrative. I think it's ridiculous. And it's like the Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes narrative. Like, you know, like, like no, like. Or the Bengals cheat that like the rivalry is is between the quarterbacks. It's what it's always going to be. Mm. So like to me, it doesn't matter how you get there. It matters that you get there. They they beat everybody in front of them handily. You know they had a, they had two teams kind of on a on a tough slate, and they did it. And they had home field, so they played one less game. Yeah, I I don't see how you could say that. I think it'll be a great game. I think a lot of it's going to come down to the injury report. Look, Hardiman. Schuster and Tony are all were didn't practice. Mm-hmm. You would think that that, that Snead would be able to come back with his uh, with concussion. his concussion. You'd think yeah. he'd clear concussion protocol, but they're going to need those three receivers. They're going to need them. They're going to need. I don't know where Hardeman is with his pelvis. I don't know where Schuster is with his knee, and and, and Tony, who's always hurt. I you know, know. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to suck it up and try to play. I guess. Yeah, and it's still so early too. I I, I wouldn't put a, a whole lot of stock into this week's 
practice reports because they are estimated reports. I think next week is when we're gonna really start to learn like yeah. what the true status for these guys is. If you see them DNP next Thursday, like this time next week, that's when you start to go, all right. Maybe the Chiefs could have some problems here if they don't have these wide receivers to throw to. But right now, I think it's just more so let's get these guys some rest. I mean, I know Lane Johnson, he didn't practice for the Eagles because he's resting that groin. Landon Dickerson as well with the elbow injury. And they have a couple other guys, Vontae Maddox with a, with a toe, he's resting. So uh, this, is not being the, this is more of a, maybe a mental, mental reps week there and just kind of get guys out there running around. But I wouldn't really put a whole lot of stock into the injury report. And also, like you, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into the schedule thing with Philadelphia. I mean, they got the number one seed. That is the reward for getting the number one seed. You get an easier path. Now, could they have played a team that was better? Yeah, they could have. But the NFC didn't have that team. You know, you thought that maybe San Francisco or Dallas would pose to be the biggest threat for Philadelphia. Dallas loses to San Francisco. San Francisco's quarterback gets hurt. What, like you said, what do you want the Eagles to do? You know, <laughs> like, like make, make yeah. it seem like it's a tough game. Like, I don't know. Uh, I yeah. think the Eagles. Uh, like, all right, Gardner Minshew, why don't you go over and play for San Francisco <laughs> so we'll make this a better game now once Brock Purdy got hurt? Like, what do you want him to fucking do? Like, it's seriously. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. Uh, the other narrative that we're starting to hear is that the Kansas City Chiefs run defense is going to struggle big time against this Eagles rushing attack, and it's going to be a major deficiency. Are you buying into this narrative? Look, I think it's if you understand how the Chiefs play defense, the Chiefs play defense simply this way. They try to force a negative play. That's mm-hmm. really all they give a shit about. Yep. They're, they're, they're more, and then they want their offense to get the lead, and then they want to be able to play complementary to it. You know, I, I, do I think if, if the Eagles run the ball and they control the clock, I mean, I've seen Mahomes have the ball for 22 minutes and still score 40 points. So, like, I don't know. Like, I think that's all. I think a lot of it is going to be, to me, this game's really about Mahomes' health, right? How is he? Can he move? If he can move, because he's going to have to move, because they couldn't block Cincinnati. They're going to have a hard time blocking Philly. So he's got to be able to move a little bit and make those plays that, that are unscripted that he's so good at doing. To me, that's the issue. Before you get down into the, who could stop the run? I, I think that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. The, the game is going to be won and lost up front, and it's going to be for Kansas City's side. A lot of that relying on what happens with Patrick Mahomes' ankle. I'd imagine that it's a little bit better than what we saw in the AFC title game. Now that he has two weeks to kind of get right here. Uh, boy, Super Bowl week is going to be a whole lot of fun, Michael. Uh, I know that you'll be heading yep. out to Arizona. DraftKings is sending you out there. Yeah, we're going to be out there yeah. all the way through. Th- we're doing shows. Patrick and I are going to be doing our show nice. from there. And then I will be in Vegas with you to do uh, to do some shows with you and yes, get sir. ready for the get ready for the Super Bowl. Watch the Super Bowl. Where are you going to watch the Super Bowl? Uh, I'll be working. I'll be working during the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Wes and I will be doing our uh, live bet show during the game. Oh, so, so I'll good. be over at the South Point. Great. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, good. I'll see you there. I will uh, I will be at the Circa, and hopefully I'll, I'll be at Stadium. I hope it's a nice day. I can sit at Stadium Sin and get some sun and watch the game. Yeah, you're going to get you some bottle service at Stadium Swim? <laughs> no, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can afford that, but I'm definitely going to go. <laughs> And also a programming note for all the listeners, uh, Monday's podcast will be coming a little bit later on during the day because of some complications. We're not going to tape it until 4.30 Eastern time on Monday. That'll be 1.30 West Coast. So East Coast listeners, it'll be kind of early evening around dinner time for our West Coast folks. That'll be out during the afternoon. So keep that in mind. Monday's podcast a little bit later uh, during the day since we're not reacting to anything that happens on Sunday. Maybe we'll do an emergency pod on the Pro Bowl games. Maybe we'll do something like there you that. Go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if somebody gets hurt, we might have to. <laughs> we might have to. <laughs> we'll live stream it, put it on YouTube. 
YouTube or something like that. Uh, the people the people want us to do a live stream. Maybe we'll discuss that coming up into uh, n- next next year's uh, regular season there. But that does it for this week's edition of the pod. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Vison. Thank you to our producer Elliot Bowman with us on the ones and twos as always. Thank you to you, Michael. Safe travels out to Arizona. Although I'll talk Thank to you, you before you Thanks, go on your Femi. trip. Enjoy and your so. weekend. Yes. Enjoy your weekend. I'll yeah. talk to you soon. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Make, make sure to go out to lunch. We'll talk to you guys on and, Monday. And thank, thank God we found John Lynch. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>